Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. So I'm Anthony, I get to lead Ivy in different places. I'm really excited that next week we're going to be starting effectively two new churches because we're um, planting back into Ivy Didsbury and we're starting something new in there. And at the same time, a bunch of guys are going to be going out to the academy, right into the heart, the students' union, to be able to reach students. Isn't that fantastic? <laughs> You know, how, what an easy invite for all these students that are coming into the city to be able to say to them, in your student union there's a new church starting and you can be right in at ground level to be able to kick it off. Um, so it's fantastic. Those guys are amazing. Do pray for them. They're out just about every night out on the streets where all these kids are coming and to be honest with you, in danger of messing up their lives in the first week of, of being here in the city. And our guys are out there offering to pray with them, giving them bottles of water and sweets and just chatting to them and praying for them. And, uh, and, and uh, you know, every year we end up with young people, young students who become Christians and get baptised through, through that. Um, I see Sid nodding away there. The, the Eden bus were out there um, in the week as well. Did a brilliant job and, and, uh, and helping us to reach out to those young people. So do pray for that. Um, yeah, Happy New Year. <laughs> you know, it's Jewish New Year this weekend. And um, so it, that's kind of just started. Um, and I'm going to be talking tonight. I, I actually believe it is an important thing for us because um, for, for centuries, Jew, Christians um, celebrated the Jewish festivals. It was like later on, when the church got a lot more standardised and, to be honest with you, taken over by Rome, that they, they ended up barring lots of Jewish festivals that, that for centuries, um, you know, Christians celebrated. And so they would have celebrated New Year, and um, so it would have been this year. I'm going to talk tonight about how I actually believe that um, we're just about to start a new year in, in God. I think it's like, actually, he's giving us a fresh start from right now. So, Happy New Year, and I'm going to talk about some of the implications of what that means for us. We get a chance to come along tonight, and um, and, and three things that, that we have to do if we're going to have this happy new year that God has got for us. So that's at seven o'clock tonight. Lord, I thank you for your word. Pray tonight as we uh, this morning as we look at some um, hard stuff um, as well as some great stuff that you would help us, Lord, to uh, to go deeper in your word and your word to go deeper in us. Amen. So we're in this series, it's the last one of this series called Starting Over. It's all about how to live a life beyond regret. It's based upon a book written by Dave and John Ferguson, who helped to lead New Thing, which is the church planting network that we're part of as Ivy Worldwide, that has the aim of of planting 10,000 new reproducing churches all around the world by the end of 2020. No idea how we're going to do it, but God's doing it. And actually, we're seeing new churches being started in, in our uh, network of relationships all of the time. And David John wrote this fantastic book. I really encourage you to get it. It's not dead cheap. But it, it's cheaper on Kindle. 
but um, it, it's a life changer. And we've been, all we've been able to do with this series is kind of scratch the surface, but the book helps you to go deeper with these different themes. And um, today we're going to look at how God can turn your story of regret into his story of redemption. And I know that's not a word that you hear every day, is it? Redemption. Um, it sounds a bit religious, but if you look it up in, in the uh, Oxford English Dictionary, redemption, it says, is the action of saving or being saved from sin, error or evil. And that's a theological focus, and it's really important, and we'll come back to that. But the word redemption actually comes from a Latin word, redimere. I'm probably saying that completely wrong, I never did Latin. But it literally means buy back. So it's like if you've, um, say somebody falls on hard times and they take their wedding ring and they take it to the pawnbroker and they get the money that they need to be able to do whatever they need to do but then eventually they get the money together and they go back to the pawn shop and they get that precious thing back they buy it back that's a redemption to 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 bring to, to buy it back it's all involved in that so there's an idea of rescue there's an idea of getting something something precious back and there is something precious believe it or not even in our regrets you might not be able to see it, but I want to tell you about that today. Because there's a Japanese word, which again, I'm definitely not going to pronounce right. And if anybody's <laughs> Japanese afterwards, come and tell me how to pronounce it. Um, in fact, I'm not even going to try and say it. It's up on the screen, it begins with K. And it means golden repair. And it's the art of restoring broken pottery with gold. So they take gold and they put it back together so that it, when you hold it up to the light it's illuminated and isn't that a fantastic picture of what, what God can do so you don't just throw something away because it's broken in this art but in fact brokenness isn't something to be disguised something to be ashamed of it's an integral part of the story of the beauty and the artists believe that when something is damaged when it's suffered damage it has history, so it becomes more beautiful. Isn't that wonderful? I think that's what God's like with us. He doesn't throw us away. He wants us to have a redemption story. And if, we'll, if, we, if we let him, he'll take our past, our broken bits too, even our worst regrets, even our deepest pains, somehow, we're going to talk about today, somehow he can actually... Bring something out of that that is for, ultimately for our good and his glory. And the Apostle Paul, who persecuted Christians, who had a whole ton of regrets in his life, if you know anything about his, his history, even had, people believe he even had Christians killed, he met with Jesus and he discovered what it was like to have redemption happen in his life and that inspired him to go and tell other people about the Redeemer and what Jesus can do and also to write a third of the New Testament and to, you know, to go through and help millions of people since with those words that he wrote to have not just a past but a future. And he wrote, and this is one of the most famous verses perhaps in the whole of the New Testament. I wonder if you'd say it out loud with me. Many of you know it by, off by heart. But we can say it together. We just say it. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And for some of us that's a really hard verse. Because you look at that and you think, well you don't know my thing. You don't know my things. And that's just a bit simplistic, God, to be honest. 
for you to be able to say that. See, Paul says, we know. But we might feel like, well, I don't know. I don't actually know that. He actually goes further. We know that. We know what? In all things. How many things? That's a staggering statement, isn't it? That's like, you want to calm it down, Paul. You know, because, you, like I say, there's, there's things that you obviously don't know about. There's, God, there's things you don't know about. Or you, you wouldn't have put, let Paul, you wouldn't have inspired that bit. But actually, that's good news. Because bad things happen. All things happen. All things happen to Christians. Don't they? Whatever certain preachers on God TV might want to tell you. The truth is, all things happen to Christians too. Death and taxes and toothache. In the rest of this chapter, actually, putting it in context, Paul has been writing about how this world is broken and burdened with sin and decay and evil and death. And he doesn't shy away from any of that. Paul knew terrible things happened. They happened to him. And he wrote about some of them. All things happen and they happen to people who love God. They happen to happen to us too. Horrible things. Horrible things happen to him too. What things? All things. And it's the same for us. The things you wish had never happened, happened. All those things that you really wish would never happen again. Maybe they'll happen. Disappointing things. Things that make you angry and sad and frustrated and ask all kinds of questions. All things. It carries on. And we know that in all things... God works for the good. Now notice, it doesn't say all things work out okay. All things just get good in the end. Because again, that wouldn't be real. And actually things, i found, don't just work out. They don't just work themselves out. He's not saying just, oh, just cheer up. It'll all work out in the end. That's what your grand might say. It's not what God says. Because actually what this says is God is working it together. You might not see it. You might not know how. I might not be able to see it. I had a picture before. It reminded me of something from years ago that I heard that my life is, is like a tap- tapestry, a big tapestry of my life. And, and from this side of it, and it's all faded and it's, I can only just discern the colours and you're not really sure what the shapes look like and, and, it, and actually it's got all knots and threads sticking out of it and it's a real mess. But you know why? That's because I'm on, I'm on this side of the tapestry and this is the back. But one day I'll go around the front and I'll be able to see all these things and I'll be able to see that actually God was working God is working. God is working today. Things don't just work out on their own. But listen, God is good and he's your father and he's working. Is that enough for anybody today? It helps, doesn't it? God is working. 
He's the giver of every good and perfect gift. That's what he does because that's who he is. So whenever the thing is, whatever the thing is that you went through or the thing that you're going through, this never changes. God can take your worst regrets and use them for good. So that in the end, your worst moments can be where God does his best work. So that you look back on it one day. And as I say, it might not even be in this life. But the good news is we've got another one. To be able to see. See, this means that when you're at your lowest, God can work deepest. I see, I look back on my life today and I can see those times that they were horrible. They were the worst times. But like Charles Dickens said, they're at the same time, they're the best of times. Because those are the times when I really did stop relying on myself. And found that the things that I sang about were true. And the one that I prayed to was there. In this series we've been looking at a man, again who had a lot of regrets, a story of regrets. David, king of Israel, he came from obscurity. God picked him out of nowhere and forgottenness. And he becomes a man of purpose. And he gains a historic victory over Goliath and years later he gets crowned king but we've all seen the regrets in his life and actually they all stemmed from an affair that he had with Bathsheba and even though our culture would say the best thing that can happen for you is that you find some wild and exotic stranger and have an affair with them that just about cost him everything in the end it ruins his family completely in various ways. Because she may have been beautiful. She may have been wonderful. She may be excited. But she wasn't his wife. She was somebody else's wife. She wasn't his. So be looking at. And lusting over. She wasn't his. And when she became pregnant. David tried to cover it up. And he ends, up, he ends up, he just gets worse. The lies get worse. He ends up having to actually have her husband killed in order to be able to cover up his own sin. And he thinks he's gotten away with it, but he hasn't. And we've seen how he's been confronted with that. And then the baby dies. And it's the most heart-rending, painful tragedy imaginable. In my own family, and with too many friends over the years, I've seen the pain of the loss of a child. And every time I read about what happens, what happened to David, how he fasted and he prayed and he cried out to God that it wouldn't happen, but the little boy died, my heart grieves all over again. And I'll come back to that in a few minutes. And I know it's such a hard, hard topic for too many people and maybe some of the people who are right here today. We've seen all over the weeks though that all we have to do is live long enough and we'll have some regrets. And those regrets can roughly be divided into three categories. Number one, there are regrets of action. Things I did where I go, oh, can't believe I did that. And then there's regrets of inaction. When I wish I'd done that, but I missed the opportunity. I never did it, and I could have done it, but I didn't do it. And now I have regrets about that. Or there's regrets of reaction, when something hurts us, or somebody hurts us. Something happened and I'm reacting to it and it's out of my control. And all of those things 
can leave us stuck in what the book calls the, the sorry cycle, where we just end up kind of regurgitating it, going over and over again, and, and longing for it to be better, but it never gets better, and so I just feel even more regret, and then it goes round and round and round. We said that there's three steps to break out of the sorry cycle. Number one is to recognise your regrets. Don't push them down. If you remember the video, the ball, don't just push them down because they're going to pop back up again. Don't just deny that they're there. Don't ignore it. Don't try and hide it. Number two, second step last week is release your regrets because we can't go forward if we won't let go. And the third, and the third step today, it could be the hardest one for some of us, but God has got you here for this because he wants you to live regret free. And this only happens if you let him redeem your regrets. Now David was heartbroken over the death of his child, but when you read it, you see too, you know, he couldn't have written all those Psalms and had that deep relationship with God if he didn't know something about the character of the God that he was relating to throughout the whole of his life. And I think David believed in the resurrection and that his son was alive now with God. And it's still so hard. But I don't know of any other belief system that would give any hope or any comfort other than this in such a hard time. But I've told parents over the years with tears in my eyes and tears in theirs too, your child will always see the face of Jesus. And that's the only hope, but it's the best hope that I can offer. And when people in the palace came to comfort David about the loss of his son, they were amazed by his reaction as he said these words. Someday I will go to him. But he cannot come back to me. And then he went to comfort Bathsheba, it says. And that heartbroken honesty, I think, was all part of David recognising and releasing his regrets to God. Because tragedy strikes and all things happen. And we always have a choice when it happens. You can shake a fist towards heaven. Or you can open your hands and say, God help. Now the worst thing you can do, please let me tell you this. The very worst thing you can do when somebody suffers a terrible tragedy is just to quote Romans 8.28 at them. Just keep quiet if that's all you can do. Because there is a time and a place for that. That isn't it. When somebody's in pain, don't back away. Because you might say or do the wrong thing. Because actually the wrong thing to do is back away. But the right thing to do is to do what David did there with Bathsheba. He just went and was with her and comforted her. Whatever comfort you can offer. And listen, especially if somebody's lost a child. The other, the even worse thing you can do, and people do it and they need a slap. Take this out of the, um, the podcast. Is to say... Well, maybe you'll have another one. Or, well, you've got two already. It's like, have you got any idea? Now, 
That said, as you read on, Bathsheba did get pregnant again. And we don't know how long ago it was, uh, sorry, how long after it was, and it, it would have been a, a long and painful time. But what I, I need us to know as we read through that is that the child that came along didn't replace the one that was lost. But it says, in time, David and Bathsheba did have another child and they named him Solomon, which means God's peace, which seems to indicate that there's something going on here, isn't there? In Solomon, in David, that he wants to call his son God's peace and he's starting to get some peace. And then again, notice David sends, Nathan is sent again by God to say, well, I've got a special name for him too. Call him Jedediah. Which is God's beloved. So it's like you've got God's peace and you've got God's love coming into the situation. Because God was working for good. Redeeming David's regrets. And years later Solomon did go on to become a great king after him. And under his reign Israel actually had peace. It was remarkable peace. It was remarked upon how he had this reign of peace. Far more peace than David's reign ever had. And ultimately, though, ultimately and most importantly, it's through Solomon's line that Jesus, the saviour of the world, was born. Out of the mess, God brought a Messiah. See, we don't usually read about the birth of Jesus except at Christmas, do we? But it's New Year now, so we can do. (laughs) Matthew's Gospel, if you've got great eyes, you can read this. Matthew's Gospel account of how Jesus was born starts by listing his genealogy, his ancestors. And people who are into genealogies, always looking for great people that they can say that they were related to, or famous people, or something like that. But actually, Jesus' list has some very shady characters in it. And actually, Matthew goes out of his way, and this is really unusual because nobody listed women in Jewish genealogies, but Matthew lists five. And they all actually have a story of regret. Matthew goes out of his way to name these five women in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Number one, Tamar, a foreigner whose father-in-law, Judah, treated her terribly, then got her pregnant. But because of her, Jesus is from the lion, he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. From the mess comes the Messiah. Next is Rahab. What does she do for a living? A prostitute from Jericho who switched sides to escape. She has a son called Boaz who, who marries another foreign widow from a race that the Jews despised whose name was Ruth. Ruth gets a mention. From the mess comes the, the Messiah. And she's King David's great-grandmother. And the fourth woman in the list is just listed as Uriah's wife. Who's that? He wants to remind, he's rubbing it in here. It doesn't say Bathsheba, it says Uriah's wife. Out of the mess comes the Messiah. Because one day she has this son called Solomon and through him the line to the Messiah continues. All these ordinary women with imperfect stories of all kinds of regrets, each of them sinned and sinned against. And from them, from the line of sinners, comes a sinless saviour to save sinners. Because the list carries on. I haven't got time to go through all of them, through lots of men's names. But who do you think is the fifth and final woman listed? Mary. Who, it says, is engaged to Joseph. There's a whole other story here. 
who became the mother of Jesus, who is called the Christ. And that's good news. Because that says whatever's gone on in my past and your past, whatever history of regrets we might have, Jesus wants to step right into the middle of it all. Because out of our mess comes the Messiah. And in the middle of our mess steps in the Messiah. And God was working for good. You can see it there. God was working for good all the time. In every story of regret, bring him redemption. And he wants to do it with us too. Whatever your background, whatever your history, God has got a future hope for you. And if you seek him, if you ask him, he'll redeem your regrets. God knows the pain of the all things that we go through. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he says that he's able to comfort us in those things. So that when we've received that comfort, we'll be able to give that comfort away to somebody else. With the comfort we, are, we ourselves have received. If you've received it, you've got something to be able to give to somebody else. But you'd never receive it if you didn't need it in the first place. So, the all things you went through, whatever the things were, they broke God's heart to. That terrible, painful thing, that regret, the thing that you had to face, and it was awful. But only people with broken hearts can help mend other broken hearts. Like that Japanese pottery, the gold is in the brokenness. In the broken pieces where God was working and holding us together. And if you just offer your broken bits to God today. If you offer yourself to him just as you are. You will be used for his purposes too. And you'll be so much more use in the future for him. Than when you were all together. And when we put on a front and make it all look as if everything's great and everything's wonderful and Facebook perfect, Instagram smiley, who cares? It's not real. You need people who will just be real about brokenness, needing help, needing a helper, because they're the people who can help others and give away the comfort that they themselves have received. This church needs people like that. There's going to be, you know, change continues at this church. There's gaps opening up to serve, to lead in various different ways. Matt and Lucy Round have done a brilliant job here. We're going to help to be able to start the thing over at Didsbury. There's going to be, there's gaps that need filling. There's people to come alongside Lucy and the team and to pray for them and serve and support and, you know, don't just come to church. Be church. Pick something up. What's my ministry? Serve. Same word. So many ways you can serve. So, will you let God do his good work in you? And then we can do it together. He can do it through us together. It starts when you offer him all the broken pieces in your life. And when you do that, actually there's two sides to this. Because he works all things together for good. For those who love him and are called according to his purposes. But there's an Old Testament promise that I love too. About all things. He says, he makes all things beautiful. When? Is that my time? Sometimes I really wish it was in my time. I'd like it yesterday. I'd like it today. Sort it out by this afternoon. But then, it's in his time. It may not be a quick fix for, for us. 
In fact, we might, as I say, never even see it resolved in a way that answers all of our questions. But let's pray anyway. Would you stand if you're able to? The band are going to come up. And maybe your regret is over a messed up relationship or a failed business venture or a wrong decision. Maybe you're right in the middle of consequences and heartache and pain now. All things. That covers it, doesn't it? That covers it, whatever it is. All things. Sometimes redemption takes months, sometimes it takes years. Your story of regret could be so painful if you shared it, we'd all be in tears. Now, I don't know what it is, but I do know it won't just heal itself. And actually, it isn't just about time, it's about God making it beautiful in His time. And you have to bring yourself today, just like that broken pot. Because time really doesn't heal anything, but we know a healer. The God who knows what pain is because he felt it. He suffered all things, was crucified, buried and rose again to redeem all things. Our God even knows what the death of a son feels like. We sing and we glory in the fact that the ultimate bad thing that happened in the world. When God came to earth and was crucified. Through the ultimate bad thing, God has worked the ultimate good for us. We have called according to his purpose. He's calling us now according to his purpose, his plans. And he calls us to redemption. There is a redeemer, Jesus, God's own son. So this morning, God's given you a choice of what, it, what to do with your regrets as you stand there. We can stay stuck in our regrets. We can put on a happy face and push it down and not deal with it not let it, even not even let God close but if he's reminded you of something if he's brought something to mind if he's put his finger on something it's for your good because he has been working and he wants to work even more today and you can start over you could if you're not ready for this start over by signing up for the Alpha course and come on that but know that there's regrets that are still yet to be redeemed could you put up a hand so I can see it and pray for you please, thank you this redeeming, redeeming love coming, you don't see how it could happen, how could God even do that, keep it up, put your hand up he's just asking for help making the choice today to declare I'm ready to have some release and to live beyond my regrets because God wants to take your story of regret and turn it into a story of redemption. If you want that too, actually, what I'd love you to do is, is come and get some prayer over here. We've got some people who will come over and pray with you too. And I, I'll go over there as well. But if, um, if God's been speaking to you, don't push it down any longer. Bring the broken pieces. all things beautiful in his time. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.